G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. I love restored stuff, don't you? Maybe a 57 Chevy cruising down the road, an old Woody, whatever it might be. And you see, man, that thing looks like it just drove off the showroom floor. That's because someone took the time to restore it. God's into restoration as well. And Pastor Greg Laurie points out one of the Lord's finest restoration projects is restoring planet Earth during the end times. He's going to restore this planet, and one day heaven and earth will become one. This is the day when the lost are found. around us. You might wonder why God created the earth with such imperfection. Well, actually, the problem wasn't with his creation. The problem lies with the tenants who've been occupying it. But soon, the Lord will rehab this fixer-upper and restore it to its former glory. Today, on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that heaven will actually come to earth. It's part of God's end times plan, one of the bedrock truths included in our current series called Essentials. Now we tend to think of heaven as some faraway place and earth is a place that we're on now and we will leave never to see again. Many years ago, my wife, Kathy, was driving with our youngest son, Jonathan. I think he was probably around maybe four or five years old at that point. And, and she was talking about the afterlife and how wonderful heaven was gonna be and how we were gonna be with the Lord. And Jonathan got very quiet and then Kathy said to Jonathan, Jonathan, is everything okay? Uh, what do you think about what I'm saying? And he said, Mom, I don't want to leave this beautiful earth that God made. So all that talk of the afterlife frightened him a little bit. But here's the good news. We're going to come back to this earth again. God still has a plan for planet earth. Sometimes we'll say as Christians, we're going to just die and go to heaven or be raptured into heaven and we'll be there with the Lord forever. Actually, that's not theologically correct. One day, yes, we are going to heaven, but one day God's going to restore this planet. In fact, we read in Acts 3.21 that things must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. You see, God is into restoration. I love restored stuff, don't you? I love it when a car has been restored to its original state, maybe a 57 Chevy cruising down the road, an old Woody, whatever it might be. And you see, man, that thing looks like it just drove off the showroom floor. That's because someone took the time to restore it. God's into restoration as well. He's gonna restore this planet. He's gonna restore our bodies. And one day, heaven and earth will become one. 
According to Ephesians 1.10, God's perfect plan is to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. And by the way, this will be the fulfillment of that part of the Lord's Prayer where we say to the Father, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Randy Alcorn in his excellent book on heaven says this and I quote, we won't go to heaven to leave earth behind. Rather, God will bring heaven and earth together into the same dimension with no wall of separation, no armed angels to guard heaven's perfection from sinful mankind. Jesus will make earth into heaven and heaven into earth. Just as the wall that separates God and mankind is torn down in Jesus, so too the wall that separates heaven and earth will forever be demolished, end quote. So let's try to figure this out. Look at Revelation 21. We're reading verses one to six. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There'll be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to he who thirsts. So we'll stop there. So God himself now breaks the silence with something he wants everyone to hear. Look at verse three. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is really important because throughout history, in a sense, God has shrouded himself from mankind. He did select certain people in the Old Testament to know him in a special way. People like Moses. The Bible says God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. But in the Old Testament, generally, God was to be approached first in the tabernacle, that's the tent, later in the temple, uh, through a high priest that would bring a sacrifice on behalf of the people. But now everything has changed because Christ himself has established this new covenant for us with the Father. And now it's fully realized. And I want you to notice that God the Father himself joins his Son to dwell with his people. At this point, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. God himself will be with them and be their God. Now think about this. We all have questions we want to ask God. We'll say, one day when I get to heaven, hey, this is the day. You're in heaven and heaven has come to earth. I want to ask the Lord something. Well, go ask him. There he is. And he has time for you. Remember how Adam would take walks with God every day? The Bible says that the Lord God would come walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And so Adam could say, hey, Lord, I really discovered some cool stuff today. And the Lord says, well, yes, I know all about it. Ask me anything you want, Adam. And what a great time that was as Adam looked forward to this Walk with the Lord. And now here we are as heaven comes to earth in an Eden-like state, but even better, where we have open access to God 
day and night, no matter when, no appointment required. Now, now think about this for a moment. If you could live at any time historically, what time would you live? Uh, would you live in the first century, the second century? Would you live in the uh, 20th century? Would you live in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s? Uh, I read a poll among Americans and they were asked what era they wish they could live in. And the number one time was the 50s. And I lived in the 50s. I was very young. I don't remember much. But I remember the 60s a little bit better. They say if you remember the 60s, you weren't there. But that's, those are people that use too many drugs. Uh, <laughs> I actually do remember the 60s. And then, you know, onward to today. But if I could live at any time historically, I would have picked the first century, not because of how sophisticated it was or anything like that, but just because I would like to have been there when Jesus walked this earth. You know, I would like to have seen Jesus with my own eyes. I would like to have, of course, been one of his disciples or even just one of the multitude and be able to hear his words with my ears. Well, that day will come for me, and that day will come for you. And in this new earth, we have a new city. Look at verse two. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride is prepared for her husband. Notice this new city has been prepared. What did Jesus say to us in John 14? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And the word here, prepared, is the same Greek word used by Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.9 when he says, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those that love him. So the new earth and the new Jerusalem are prepared places for prepared people. Great to have you with us today for a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. He's the senior pastor from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, and we're considering the new heaven and new earth. It's part of our study of what's coming during the end times. Let's continue. So here now is the new Jerusalem. And by the way, Jerusalem has always and will always play a key role in the big picture of God's plan. Jerusalem, you might say, is the city of the past, the present, and the future. Jerusalem is a salvation center of the world spiritually. It's the storm center of the world prophetically. And it's the glory center of the world ultimately. But it's a city of the past. Jerusalem is a city, of course, that was the capital of Israel under King David. The first temple was built there by David's son Solomon. And the Shekinah glory of God rested over that city. And of course, it was outside the walls of Jerusalem where our Lord was crucified. It's a city of our past. It's a city of our present. When the Jewish people formed a nation on May 14th, 1948, it was a modern day miracle. And more specifically, a fulfilled prophecy that sent the prophetic clock ticking. Never has a nation been able to maintain its national identity even three to five hundred years after being removed from its homeland until Israel. So it's a city of the present, but it's also the city of the future. It is in the Middle East and around Jerusalem, as a matter of fact, that world history will come 
to an end. Jerusalem will be at the center of the final conflict of the battle of Armageddon and Christ will enter through the east gate and establish his kingdom. But now we're talking about the new Jerusalem. Now maybe the new Jerusalem is, is already in heaven and maybe believers are there right now. But now God brings his heavenly city down to earth because there's no more division. There's no crime in this big city. There's no corruption. Just harmony with God and with each other. We live in a curse-free world. Now listen to this. That's not all. Because we're going to be busy when the new Jerusalem comes to earth. I think sometimes people think when we then go to heaven we're just going to sit around and eat and get fat and take naps. And that may be appealing to some people. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Scripture tells us that we're going to be active in the Lord's service. Notice Revelation 22.3 says His servants will serve Him. We're doing something. In heaven and in the new earth we will be busy. We have activities there, things to do, doing the Lord's work. Coming back to vacations. I like to vacation for a time. But then I get bored. <laughs> and then I want to get back to what I really love to do which is serve the Lord. So really, what is a vacation? It's time to recreate or recreate, to recharge your batteries and get back to what it is you're called to do. Well, here we are now busy in the work of the Lord. Revelation 7, 15 says we're standing in front of the throne of God, serving Him day and night in His temple. And one wonders what the Lord has in store for us there. Listen to this. Maybe you will be able to finish some of the tasks that remained uncompleted on earth. Or maybe dreams that were shattered here will be fulfilled there. Sometimes we act as though life on earth is it. You pass through this life, it's over, and now this nebulous thing called the afterlife. I think we'd be thinking more accurately and more biblically if we instead thought of this life here as the before life and then began to think of the afterlife or what it is. The afterlife, friends, is the main event, you see. And there are things that are gonna happen there. So what if someone in this life uh, is born with a disability? I think of someone like Nick Vujicic, born without arms or legs. I think of Johnny Erickson Tata, uh, confined to a wheelchair for most of her life. Now these two individuals have glorified God, but yet they've suffered in life, haven't they? And I think of people that I know that their body's breaking down because of age. And then I think of others that their life, well, it seems like it was cut short. Maybe a child died, maybe a young man or a woman died. And it just seems so unfair because you say, why was their life cut short? And then you see other people that live long lives and break all the rules. And then to make it even worse, they live wicked, sinful lives. And you say, well, what's going on here? I mean, they live these awful lives and do nothing with it, maybe even do evil things with the life. And then there's this other life with so much potential that's cut short. But that's because we're thinking about everything in the here and now, and we need to elevate our thinking a little bit and realize that life goes on, you see. And so in the future, I believe that God is going to more than compensate for these things. He's going to restore what we lost here. Heaven and the new earth will be the restoration of earth's lost privileges. 
Let me say that again. I want you to think about this. Heaven and the new earth will be the restoration of earth's lost privileges. You see, death for the believer is not the end of life. It's a continuation of it in another place. And this place is heaven and ultimately on the new earth. So I believe that is when all these wrongs will be righted. Here now is one of the most beautiful promises in all of scripture. Look at verse four. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There'll be no more pain for the former things have passed away. The question is often asked, will there be tears in heaven? So what do you think? Will there be tears in heaven? Will there? We think, no. Why? Well, Eric Clapton told us. There, <laughs> there's no more tears in heaven. So we, and we read this verse. See, there's no more tears in heaven. Wait a second. Chronologically, what are we talking about? Are we talking about heaven here? No, we're talking about the new earth. We're talking about when heaven comes to earth and at this time God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death nor sorrow nor crying. There'll be no more pain for the former things that passed away. There will be tears in heaven. You say, well, where do you get that? Well, for starters, when we cry, God keeps our tears in a bottle. Now, where does he store those? Maybe somewhere in heaven. And how about this scene in the book of Revelation where John begins to weep because no one is worthy to open the scroll and then we see Christ emerging as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Wait a second, he's crying in heaven. I thought there weren't tears in heaven. Well, I guess there are. But let's understand. You see, there can be tears of joy and there can be tears of deep sorrow and mourning. Here's what you have in heaven. You have perspective. And I want to sort of attack a view that I think is unbiblical that is sometimes held by Christians. And it's the view that when I get to heaven, I effectively have a spiritual lobotomy. And I don't remember anything about earth. And the logic is, well, if I remembered sad things on earth, heaven wouldn't be joyful. Therefore, God will remove those things. And we come back to this verse where he says that he's gonna wipe away every tear. There's no more death nor sorrow. That doesn't mean that you're not aware of what's happening. But what it does mean is you have perspective because you're in the presence of the Lord. Listen, in heaven you know more, not less. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, we will know as we are known. People ask the question, will we recognize one another in heaven? What do you think, you'll be more stupid in heaven than you are on earth? <laughs> maybe I should ask you the question, do you recognize one another on earth? No, well, maybe you won't in heaven. Because <laughs> you're just kind of dumb. No, not really. <laughs> but in heaven, of course, we'll recognize one another. And we'll have that perspective. But there is coming a day when God will wipe away all tears, all sorrow. There's no more death, no more pain. The former things have passed away. Some great news about what's to come when we're in heaven. Pastor Greg Laurie with insight from today's message called When Heaven Comes to Earth. Next time we'll have some more on what's to come in the last days and some candid counsel to those who aren't sure that they're ready. Be sure to tune in or invite a friend to be listening next time on A New Beginning.
Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called When Heaven Comes to Earth. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or visionstore.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.